Hi, this is Russ, and this is Dynamic Discipleship Series. From the organization Shatter the Darkness, shatterthedarkness.net on the web. This is session five, and if you go to the main page of discipleship, dynamic discipleship, you're going to find that there's uh, numerous sessions listed, and hopefully every single week we'll add one or two more. This will continue to where there's about 50 sessions there. And if you're a strong believer in Christ, we encourage you to go through uh, for the sake of uh, just refreshing uh, your foundations, but also to use this as uh, you lead others to Christ and send to them uh, this information that will help build their lives. Nothing is more important after uh, the point of getting saved than being built up. You're rooted in Christ. Now it's time to be built up, to grow, to build the foundations that you'll live on all the rest of your spiritual life. If you build great foundations based on the Word of God, and listen, that is the will of God anyway. God is seeking to build dynamic disciples. Disciples in the Scriptures are, again, those who are learners, those who come under the leadership, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel one time? He was talking to those who were trying to lay claim to him, and he said, you know, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I said? It's very obvious that there'll be those who have a, you know, kind of a religious, uh, formal uh, picture to their life, but they're going to be denying the power if they're not literally born again. Listen, if you've been born again and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, dynamic is from the Greek word dunamis, referring to the power of the Spirit of God in your life, the power of the new life, and we've gone over some of those sessions already. This session is focusing on how to get the Word of God into your life, how to get the most out of the Word of God. And it is the desire of God. Listen, you couldn't even, you couldn't even been saved without the Word of God coming to you. Now that the Word of God has come to you, and you've received the Word of God as it actually is, not the Word of men, but the Word of God. Now listen, that's the verse uh, that, that is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Let me just quote it. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Now, in the study notes, if you're on the web, on session 5, you're going to notice uh, this beginning introduction. The Bible is the most amazing book in all of history. It took around 1,600 years to finish and has 40 writers who all knew that it was not by their wisdom that they wrote this book. They, like Paul, who wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that it was all inspired by the Spirit of God. Literally, the phrase, God breathed. All Scripture. That's the concept of plenary. The totality. All Scripture is God breathed. It's breathed out by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved on uh, Daniel. He moved on Isaiah. He moved on David in the Psalms. He moved on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Apostle Paul, Jude. He moved on them, literally guiding these uh, redeemed believers, guiding them, directing them, not superseding their personality, but simply using the 
abilities that they had in their lives and then moving through them to communicate and bring to us the very words of God. The words that would have been inscripturated at that very moment, that very time in history. For example, Isaiah. It may have been written 2,700 years ago. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, or the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, uh, some almost 1,970 years ago. We're talking about an amazing process. This is the book, as you'll hear me say, whose author, the only book, whose author is always present. God is not only present around the book, and not only using it through those who are believers to share it with others, but literally the very presence of God is within the book, in the words, as Jesus said very carefully, listen, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. John six sixty three. The inscripturated words are also living and active, as we're going to read in Hebrews in a little bit here. But they're also spirit and life. There's life in the word. There's power in the word. The spirit of God is not only beyond the word, outside of the word, but he's in the word, and the word of God is his language. The word of God is his sword. So we're going to take a look at some of this as we go through. May God bless you in your studies. May God just instruct you and guide you and direct you. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you in your presence right now. We acknowledge the Spirit of God inside of us as people who have been born of the Spirit of God as we've come to believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We ask your blessing and insight and for the Spirit of God to use this time to build the foundations of loving the Word of God, desiring the Word of God, and, and being uh, just gripped by the Word of God. Father, use this Word during this session. Cause each person listening to even remember other scriptures that they've already learned and to add on. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Now listen, this is something that's very important to understand. When I first got saved, I didn't know anything about the Bible whatsoever. I really didn't. I was just beginning to read one verse, two verses, three verses. I went to Kmart to buy my first Bible because I had no idea where to go. I had no idea there was such thing as a Christian bookstore. And back then, of course, they didn't have the World Wide Web. This is a great tool, and I pray that God will bless you with it. Now, we have the Old Testament, which is originally written in Hebrew, and we have the New Testament, which is mostly, almost totally written in Greek, with a little bit of Aramaic. Let me say a number of things about the Word of God that's very important. You're going to hear down the road phrases like uh, infallible and inerrant. That's what the Word of God is. It's not only infallible and inerrant, but it's also very powerful. Again, because they're words of spirit and life, as Jesus not only spoke, but also the inscripturated words become the very same thing. Whether spoken or written, it is the Word of God. Now there's a number of phrases that I want to give you. Inspired, preserved, protected, translated, so forth. And I want you to just uh, think about some of these phrases as we go along. The Word of God is inspired. Literally, that can come from that verse we read earlier in Timothy, chapter 3. 
that it is God-breathed. Inspired means that the Spirit of God inspired the writers, literally from beginning to end. Whether it's the book of 1 John, the book of Revelation, depending on what book of the Bible, what writer it was, the uh, origin of the writing of the Word of God is the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of God who would move on them uh, so much so that the Scripture would define this as a process called God-breathed. And uh, so we have the inspired or the God-breathed Word of God. Now think about the moment 2,700 years ago when Isaiah was, was writing or when Daniel was writing or when Matthew was writing. Not only was there an immediate inspiration of the Scriptures, but I want you to know something. The, the words preserved and protected. The same Spirit of God who inspired the original writing has also preserved and protected. And it's a tremendous study of the history of the development of the, of the Bible to take a look at the most attested to book in all of history, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, concerning manuscripts and copies and so forth. It's the most attested to manuscript in uh, world history. It has more backing to it than any other man manuscript uh, written in the, in the same time periods. And we find this tremendous human side of preservation and protection, but we also find in an overarching way the direct superintendent, um, the direct oversight, the direct preservation and protection of the Word of God along the way. Not only is it preserved, but along the way it's been translated. Uh, we have the original Hebrew of the Old, the original Greek of the New, being translated into Latin, then being translated into German, being translated into the French language, and eventually to the Old English languages, and on and on and on. I read lately where there's about 1,700 translations worldwide, which includes the Russians, uh, Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, and Cantonese, uh, Croatian, uh, current German, current Greek, Czechoslovakian, and Swahili, and Eskimo, and uh, Hin you know the uh, India in India the different ones Punjabi and so forth you're going to find that uh, God has uh, been incredible in the original inspiration, the superintending preservation and protection, and then the translations that the Spirit of God has uh, been working to get the Word of God out to the peoples of the world. Jesus com com commanded the, gr the gospel would be preached to all the people groups of the world. I mean the smallest of people groups in little villages, to the largest of people groups in China or in India or in uh, other parts of the world. And uh, God has been very, very uh, faithful in getting that word out, moving upon translators, the same Spirit of God who initiated the inspiration again 2,700 years ago with Isaiah is the same Spirit of God who would have moved upon Wycliffe Bible translators and other translators who would put the Word of God into the language of the people. See, the Bible didn't originate in English. We have some great English translations. 
we have uh, we probably know most mostly the idea of King James, but the King James that you you know you would, might be reading today is the King James that was uh, about the 16th revised version in 1769. The original King James was, uh, and I've got it here before me, was written originally in 1611. And if I take the old, old English 1611 version and compare it with the 1769 version, uh, you're going to find that the, the language, uh, there's a language barrier and, and language changes. And that's why the King James had, uh, you know, retranslated and updated and so forth. Well, other versions have come along uh, of the way. I think one of the greatest ever has been the New International Version. I think the Holman Christian Standard uh, is a great translation. The uh, uh, I believe there's one called the Every the 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 Christian Standard uh, or the International. It's on the on the web. The International Version. There's the Apostolic Bible. I've been looking into lately. Uh, tremendous translation. But, but translations are also preserved, uh, protected, and guided. And uh, God is bringing His Word into each uh, language of the world to bring the gospel with the ultimate goal of salvation and discipleship. Without that process, uh, you and I would not have our English translation. Without that process, uh, you and I would, uh, would, would possibly had to have learned Hebrew and Greek just to read the Word of God. But God has sovereignly decided along the way that His Word would be translated. And uh, the translation I use, millions and millions. The most used translation in all the world. And it is also, it is also a translation that, is, that has been used to bring hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Something about a great translation... Uh, part of it, the the verification of a great translation, number one, is the fruit-bearing ability. Um, the Word of God being preached and used to bring people to Christ, uh, that people actually get saved. The Spirit of God brings the Word to them. as In discipleship, the Holy Spirit reminds you of the Word of God. And you're going to find this tremendous work of the Spirit of God. So the very same Holy Spirit that operated... 2,700 years ago in Isaiah is the same Holy Spirit that is in you and operating in your life and illuminating the Scripture that has been inspired, preserved, protected, translated to this very day. So the illumination of the Word of God is the process happening as you read it, as you are open to it. Now listen, the great news is this, that as a new believer in Jesus Christ or an old believer in Jesus Christ, we read in 1 Corinthians, if you want to take a look there in the second chapter later on, of 1 Corinthians, that we have been given not the spirit of the world, not the spirit of fear, as we also read in Romans 8, but the spirit is from God that we might understand what God has freely given us. Now this is, this is very important because dwelling within you is the same spirit of God who literally inspired, preserved, protected, translated, and is now illuminating. That's His work. That's the work of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are going to be times that you're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden a verse is going to seem like it jumps right off the page. A particular verse 
because there's a particular need in your life so that God may just literally take you to places in the Scripture where you need to have Him speak to you and build your life. And you're going to see why here in a few moments when we read in Colossians chapter 3. When the Spirit of God tells us, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Dear Christian, whether you've been a Christian five days, five years, 50 years, one thing's going to be for sure. You're going to be able to go back again and again and again to your Bible and open your Bible up and be reading. And you're going to find times where, where you're going to see a scripture or a word or a chapter and you're going to be looking and saying, wow, it's almost as though you've never read that before. The Spirit of God is supernaturally operating in you, outside of you, in the Word of God, and bringing to you the message, the instruction, the teaching, the correction, the conviction, the empowerment, the encouragement, the comfort, and the building of your faith. So my dear friend, I, I encourage you, cherish the Bible, cherish the Word of God. Treat it respectfully and love it. I've heard before people talk about standing on the Word of God. A professor at Malone College years ago said to me, I'm not sure that it's about us standing on the Word of God. It may, it may be more important to stand under the Word of God. And I think he had a point. Well, I want to take you to three specific scriptures here and kind of give just a little bit of comment on each one of those. The first one on your notes, if you're on the page, session 5 page for dynamic discipleship is Hebrews 4.12. Here's what the Word of God says. For the Word of God, the Logos of God, the Logos of God, the Word of God, is living and active. Two powerful words right there. Again, reflecting the the fact that Scripture is animated by the very presence of God. Like Jesus said, the words that I speak or the words that have been inscripturated, the words that you're reading, they are spirit and they are life. They are living. They're alive. They're active or the word powerful. They have power in the Word. Matter of fact, it goes on to say that the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It has the power to penetrate. Listen, before I was saved, there was a verse of scripture here, a word here that, that began to penetrate my life, that began to cause me to understand. The truth began to dig into me, and uh, it began to have its effect on me. And it's only by that word can you believe. As a matter of fact, we're going to read about Romans where it says, How can they believe on whom they've not heard? You can't believe without hearing. Faith comes from hearing or hear the word, hearing the message, hearing the word of God. Because it has the ability, it's called the word of faith. It empowers you, it enables you uh, to not only know the truth, uh, to, to be drawn by God, uh, to be convicted if, again, we're lost to have it point to Jesus, and then once accepted, if we've heard the gospel, the word of God, it causes us to be born again. We are literally born again by this very word of God. And we read about that in the book of Peter, which we'll again mention a little bit later. 
But let's just have the foundation. The Word of God is living and active every time you open the book. doesn't matter if it's Old Testament, New Testament. I remember when I first got my Bible, I didn't know where to go. I, I'd been going to church two weeks, never been in church all my life. Now here's a 19-year-old that came out of the world of partying and rock and roll and everything else, and I've got a Bible, and I'm beginning to read and study, and I don't know where to begin. I don't even know the difference between the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, which God was operating as He founded Israel and, and brought his truths with, with hundreds of prophecies of the coming of Messiah, of the Lord Jesus, and then the New Testament, which deals with the fulfillment of those prophecies, the coming of Christ, what he's done on the cross, the gospel, the good news, and then the instruction from the book of Acts to the book of Romans all the way to the end of the New Testament, which is considered the New Covenant. So it's very important. As you study the Word of God, now listen, next session is going to be on memorization. And I hope you're already starting to memorize. And I'll go over memorizing word by, you know, phrase by phrase. But learn to be word perfect. Because if you're word perfect, please understand, the way you memorize and learn Scripture is the way you're going to find the Holy Spirit reminding you. So if you use, if you use a King James Version, please understand, that's the Word of God. And the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will remind you. And uh, when you share Scripture or when you have Scripture to encourage yourself, it'll come in the language uh, of, the, of, the, of the Scripture that you have uh, used. And uh, that's true whether it's uh, somebody in China using the Mandarin uh, Bible and uh, studying and reading it. The Spirit of God will then operate His Word using the Mandarin language as they memorize Scripture and have it used in their life. And it's an amazing thing that the same power to save, to sanctify, to cause to grow, to build our faith, is there. Well, I've already mentioned 2 Timothy three fifteen through 17. It's tremendous, these three little verses here. How it says this, Paul, as he's being led by the Spirit of God, writes to Timothy, inscripturated for our learning, here's what it says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's even referring to the sum total of the Old Testament. See, that's all Paul had in the book of Acts was the Old Testament. Basically, as he was using it to evangelize the Jews, using it to declare the coming of Jesus Christ and uh, the, the work on the cross and salvation through faith in him. So, the scriptures, the holy scriptures. Now, this is how the Spirit of God reveals what the Bible is. He determines, he gives identity, and he calls his own word holy scriptures. They're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 says, For all Scripture is God-breathed. There's that word sometimes translated inspired. Breathed out by God. All Scripture is. Genesis to Revelation. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's very important that you realize the uh, multitasking uh, work of the Word of God. It's far superior to computers and everything else. 
because the Word of God, just going to it in the presence of God, uh, there is a work the Spirit of God is able to do in teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. Uh, there is an operative work. And that's how God's going to use it in our lives. That's why it's so vital. Literally, I, I would say, as many have said in the past, that the Bible is spiritual food. And when we come to Christ, the Bible says we're babes in Christ. We're just simply newborns. And we need the spiritual food to cause development. You cannot be saved without it. And listen, my dear friend, you cannot grow without it. You cannot become strong without it. You cannot be able to do mighty works for Jesus without it. Look at verse 17 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says this concerning the use of the Word of God, so that the man of God, or the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the Word of God is going to do in your life. The Word of God is going to lead you uh, to not only know God in Christ Jesus, but to know Him deeper and to know Him more and to begin to obey the Word of God and begin to bear fruit and begin to do the very works that we have been created in Christ Jesus to do. And so you won't be able to do great works for God without really knowing deeply the Word of God. And so, my friend, saturate yourself with Scripture. Learn the Scripture. Let God use it in your life. Let God build you with it. Let God cause it to dwell in your life. And you're going to find that uh, it will be there for you in your personal need and also in ministry to others. Now I want to mention also 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's what it says. Referring to what God needed to show us. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Well, how's that so? How does God reveal? Well, by the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say this, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Salvation opens up the ability to begin to understand all the Word of God. I remember when I was not a believer, when I was lost, and I would try once in a while here or there to pick up the Bible and read, and it wasn't, it just didn't seem to come through. I didn't desire it. I couldn't really understand it. And uh, in the beginning, the need is to understand the gospel, how to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and to receive Him in understanding the gospel message and what Christ has done for us. Once that occurs and the gift of the Spirit comes in, man, an explosion, being born again of the Spirit of God. Well, we've received the Spirit who is from God. He's dwelling in you right now, deep within you. He's within your entire being, throughout all your faculties. You are literally animated with the very Spirit of the living God. The same Holy Spirit who timelessly moved on Isaiah our brother in Christ 2,700 years ago as God operated in him 
using Hebrew language. Now you've got the Word of God in your language, and God is operating in your life. The Spirit of God is operating in your life in such a way so that as you read the Word of God that was written down, preserved, protected, translated, now it's being illuminated to you uh, as, uh, as part of the great work of God. Tremendous. Awesome. Well, verse 13 there in chapter 2 says this, This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. Notice again, whether it's spoken orally or in grapha, uh, scripture, in the actual writings. We can read in 2 Thessalonians, also chapter 2, that we're to grip the Word of God, whether it's spoken orally or whether it's grapha, whether it's written. doesn't make any difference. It's still the Word of God, whether written or spoken orally. The power, the life is in the Word. And so, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Notice this. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The Spirit of God was bringing the revelation of God, both Old and New Testament, the attributes of God, the works of God, the act of God, the being of God, the, the salvation, what sin's all about, what heaven, hell, Satan, all the subjects that we deal with, they're in there. And uh, the Spirit of God, through this selection process, brought to us the very words that God intended. And He had them written down that we might have them today. Well, this is uh, pretty exciting, and I want to share that uh, there's probably about seven, six or seven things that we can look at and say the Word of God is. Uh, let me just mention a few of these things. Um, I, th- I think we'll just take probably a look at about uh, uh, six or seven of these. Take a look at your notes if you have them. If you're in the car or listening on iPod, that's great too. We'll go over some of the Word, and I, and I encourage you, especially in the next session, session six that we will be helping you in letting that cd or that mp3 uh, be used to literally go over how to memorize scripture and have you actually do it during the sessions and i'll give a number of scripture where you'll be able to learn a number at least 10 uh and memorize them all in one week well some people can you can memorize them all in one day if they really put their heart to it well let's look at a few things the word of god is the word of god does Uh, We're going to take a look at both of those. But first of all, the Word of God is. It's the voice of God. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of faith. It's the Word of life, the Word of grace. It is the gospel. It is also the sword of the Spirit. So again, if you click on to those scripture verses like in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, notice again what it says. Here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is at work. See that word work? comes from a Greek word meaning a supernatural operative uh, power. It has that ability. Uh, If you're believing the Word of God, if you've received the Word of God, uh, as it is the the Word of God, it is at work. Uh, It's it's in in an operative mode within your life, strengthening you, building your faith, uh, causing you to be able to relate to God and do ministry, which is at work in you who believe. 
And it's very important to understand this. That one scripture tells us that the Word of God is not a subjective thing. It's propositional truth. It's truth whether somebody believes it or not. It's not the Word of God because you believed it. It doesn't become the Word of God once in a while. It is, has been, and always will be the Word of God, whether accepted, rejected, not looked at, or looked at. It is what it is, the Word of God. And he's simply saying to the, to the, to the new believers in Thessalonica, when they heard the gospel and they heard the Word of God, that's what they did. They didn't accept that as the Word of men. They knew in their acceptance of the living Christ that this was, is, the Word of the living God, the voice of the living God. And that's how they accepted it. And I would encourage you to just simply acknowledge, Father, in the name of Jesus, I will just accept all of Scripture as God-breathed, as the living, active Word of God. It's actually your words to me, the very words of God. And uh, you're going to have, no matter what comes up along the way, challenges, whatever else, you can handle those on down the road. But to be able to really get the most out of what God wants to do in your life, just simply come, receive the words of God, put them into action, and find that God will be powerfully working in your life. Well, let me mention the second thing I have here. The Word of God is also the language of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews uh, 3, 7. It simply tells us this. You know what it tells us? That when the New Testament's being written, the writer is uh, quoting some of the Old Testament, and here's how he does it. As he's writing the New Testament and starts to quote Old Testament, he, he, he categorizes it this way. So, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he begins to write the Scripture and quote the Old Testament. Now, that's very significant. You can take any Scripture verse, and when you begin to share it with somebody, you can literally say, and the Holy Spirit says, or like preachers have said, and the Bible says, or the Word of God says, or like Jesus said, or like the writer in the book of Hebrews, and God says. So whether you say God says, the Holy Spirit says, the Word of God, all of it is literally the language of the Holy Spirit in written form. What else is the Word of God? Well, let's look. It is the Word of faith that enables a person to believe on Jesus. Romans ten eight on down. It is called the Word of faith. You can't believe without hearing. Satan tries to steal the Word out of people's hearts, like in that parable in the Gospel, so that they cannot believe and be saved. So it's very important as you're evangelizing, sharing Jesus with others, keep giving them a Word. Give them the Gospel of John. Let them keep uh, studying and reading. As a matter of fact, if you read towards the end of the Gospel of John, which we'll look at here in a moment, chapter 20, that the very Gospel, the entire, all the chapters, everything about it, the entire Gospel was written with the main purpose, to reveal Jesus for the purpose that in reading, in reading, like it says there, these were written that you might believe. The purpose of the writing of the Gospel of John was that people might believe and so be saved. That's why I think it's one of the greatest uh, Gospels to give to, to those who have not yet come to Christ and, and ask them to examine it, to tell them just simply, open up your heart, ask God to show you himself and begin to read the Gospel of John. And uh, that will be the word of faith that will enable a person to believe. And that will be the word of faith that, that builds you. 
that the Holy Spirit can give you a word of faith in times of trouble, in times of discouragement, uh, as you say, Lord, remind me of whatever, or you go digging into the Psalms or other places, and all of a sudden a certain scripture, or all of them, come just um, you know popping out at you. Well, then you know that uh, you're lifted up, you're built up in, in Jesus. The Word of God is also the Word of life. It offers new life now and eternal life. There's life in the Scripture. Jesus said, the words that I speak, all the words that are written, they are spirit and they are life. We're told in Philippians 2.16 to hold out the word of life in a crooked and, and depraved. And, and listen, in the world that we live in is very dark and evil, chaotic. Now we have the word of God in absolute, the, the infallible, something that is rock solid. Hold out the word of life. It's a word that offers life um, to the lost, it, life to the depressed, life to the hurting, life to the dying. And so it is the word of life. And so you can share it as that. Man, this is the word of faith, the word of life, or the word of grace. Next. It is the word of grace that reveals salvation by grace. It tells us that we're saved not by our own works, that we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ so that nobody would boast. Where's that at? Well, that's in Hebrews chapter 2. Verse, you know, study verse 8, 9, and 10. The word of grace is revealed in Acts 20, 32, where it tells us that that same word of grace can build us up as believers. And that's what being a disciple is all about, being built up in Christ. You've come to know him, now you can grow in him. Now you can, uh, uh, precept upon precept and verse upon verse, spiritually, literally uh, build the layers of foundation and truth in your life. And that's what the Word of God will do. It'll be a, a word of grace to you. A word that uh, brings again uh, a message of forgiveness. A message of uh, God washing your sins and, and giving you His Spirit and giving you it as a gift and, and telling you this. So the Word of God is also grace. Nobody had to pay for it. Nobody had to, you know, um, go out and, and uh, do some kind of uh, works to get it. It's freely given. Freely given by God for our salvation and for our growth and our development. Now listen, it's also called the gospel. It's the word written. Uh, and I've already mentioned in, in John's gospel, chapter 20, verse 31. Let me just simply read it. But these are written, referring to all of the scriptures in John's gospel. This is very important. The Spirit of God is telling us why he's, allow, why he's bringing about every one of these verses. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, zoe, the qualitative spiritual life, you might have life in His name. So many things the Word of God is, and one of those is in Ephesians 6.17, that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit of God used in spiritual warfare when Satan tries to come and bring doubt to our lives, trying to discourage us, trying to steal the Word of God from us so that we don't have foundations to stand on to be very strong. Listen, 1 John chapter 2, you're going to find a verse there that says, I write to you young men, referring to young believers, and it says this, because you're strong, you've overcome the evil one. Because why? 
the Word of God lives in you. Because they've accepted and put the Word of God into practice, they become uh, not only strong spiritually, but they have overcome. The Greek word is Nike. They have, they have victory over Satan. Matter of fact, the book of 1 John, if you study it this week, and I encourage you, dear friend, to study this week. And just pour into the, just open up the first book of First John and begin to read and read and let God, the Holy Spirit, just speak and, and let God minister to your life. It's going to show you in there true, true and false Christianity. It's going to show you in there. Listen very carefully. It's going to show you. It's going to show you victory over sin, victory over the fallen world system, and victory over the devil. Did you know that in the book of First John? The word K-N-O-W. No. This is how you know that you've come to know Him. K-N-O-W is used about 38 or 39 times. When you go through circle every time it says K-N-O-W, you're going to find the Spirit of God has tremendous revelation in the context of an entire uh, book of the Bible like First John. And that uh, you're going to find many times uh, very clearly where it says, these are written to you that you might not sin. These are written to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. You know, the Holy Spirit saying, I'm writing to you. I'm, I'm giving you a personal message. I'm telling you the difference between uh, the New Age movement, the cults, the Gnostics, and fake Christianity, and real, deep, genuine Christianity. You're going to find it in 1 John. Well, you're going to find that the Word of God will be used in spiritual warfare there. That you're going to be able, by the Word of God, to know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That you're going to be able to test the spirits. Ephesians 6.17, when we're told to put on the armor of God, part of the armor of God, as Satan sometimes attacks, is simply the Word of God. And the example of that, my dear friend, is Jesus, is the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. Have you studied that? Have you read that? Hey, by the way, how's your daily prayer time? How's your daily time with Jesus? I mean, listen, just being able to get 15 minutes, a half hour at least, and at the very moment, acknowledge His presence. Just come before, as the Bible says, a throne of grace to receive mercy and grace, help, to get help from God. So as you just cut out a half hour and just go to be with the Lord, acknowledge first His living presence. Acknowledge the Spirit of God in your life. Begin to worship. Begin to praise Him. And then get into the Word of God. And uh, let the Word of God speak to you. And uh, let God's just God just uh, saturate you. And have fellowship. And then begin to pour out prayer and pour out some you know, stuff and get ready for the day, man. And get ready for the day as you launch out to be God's missionary to the world. You know what? You and I are called ambassadors. I'm not going to tell you where that's at. I'm going to let you find that. It's in the scriptures. And uh, believers are called ambassadors. What is an ambassador? Man, that's a high calling. That's considered an incredible, uh, you know, a dignitary sent from one nation, one kingdom to another. We are now considered uh, dignitaries sent by God, the kingdom of God, into the fallen world. We are ambassadors to the world around us. Ambassadors of God. Ambassadors of Christ. 
It says in that scripture I'm referring to that we stand as if we are in the very place of Christ, calling out to the world to be reconciled to God, as though God, and as He is literally speaking through our lives as, as ambassadors. And that's going to that's gonna be part of the, the spiritual warfare issue too. As people come up to you and, and challenge you, uh, verses of Scripture will come up to your mind. The Spirit of God will eventually, you know, immediately sometimes give you a, a defense, a word. As in Matthew 4, when in each case Satan challenged him, Jesus quoted the written Word of God. He quoted it as, as it actually is, the Word of God. And he quoted it directly to Satan. And Satan was defeated as Jesus uh, stood um, you know, committed to the word, to the truth, and as he spoke the word of truth, and I have found in deliverances and things like that, the demons, they don't like the word of God. They like to twist it, break it, keep people away from it. Satan will do anything to steal it and get people away. Because why? Well, listen, it's the voice of the living God. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. It's the word of faith. It's the word of life, the word of grace. It's the gospel, the good news. And it's the sword of the Spirit, it's the sword the Spirit uses to cut through the lies of the enemy and to continue to establish the truth. Well, that's some of the things the Word of God is. Let me just touch on a few things quickly, what the Word of God does. Now, if you're looking on the notes, I think I've listed here again seven things or eight things, and I want you to just hear these quickly. Because I've really encouraged you in this section to go get your own Bible, to take the time today, to go get your own Bible and open up the Scriptures to these areas and uh, just study them. Let me mention this. The Word of God does. Number one, it reveals the person and character of God. Uh, John chapter 1. John's Gospel chapter 1. The revelation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. You know, the revelation of the character of God. The Creator. The Redeemer. Christ coming into the world. A God in human flesh in chapter 1. So there's revelation of the person, character, uh, and even the works of God. And then secondly, there's a revelation of the Savior. And you can study this in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Matter of fact, if you study in John chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you're going to have a tremendous pouring out of the revelation of Jesus Christ who He is and why He's come, and how we can be saved. So there's a revelation that points to the Savior. Thirdly, it gives direction and comfort. Now, there's not a, this verse is not written in your notes, but it's one of the verses I just know in my heart. I've quoted it probably a hundred times. But it comes out of Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, about the Lord our God, the Holy One of Israel, being our Redeemer. Here's what it says. Who teaches you what is best, and lead you in the way you should go. I love it. I love it. I trust that God is always teaching me the best. God's always leading me in the way that I should go. That's what God does. He's giving direction. And He uses the Word of God to give me His best. My dear friend, God, in the development of the Word of God, 1,600 years, 40 different writers, one author, the Spirit of God, selecting inspiring, preserving, protecting, translating, and now illuminating to you and I this incredible Word of God that will give you direction and comfort 
If you study through Psalm 119, actually, the bottom of the page, the study page, I encourage you to take Psalm 19 this week and uh, read through all of it. And you're going to see it talks about the Word of God being a lamp to our feet, that we hide the Word of God in our heart, that we would not sin against God, that it revives your soul, gives light to your eyes, and makes you wiser than the, the world's secular counselors. You'll read all of that in, in Psalm 119. And uh, if you read in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 14, again, a lot of this I want you to look up. A lot of this I want you to become, as a new believer, become familiar with your Bible and know where to go. I remember when I first got saved and, you know, I, I went to church. I didn't even have a Bible yet. When I finally got my Bible, you know, the preacher would say, okay, let's turn to uh, the book of Amos. I'm like looking everywhere. I didn't know where it was. People had to help me. And I'm thankful for a lot of good believers that have helped me. Now I know the book pretty well. Now I know where you know where to go and how to find things pretty quick. And a lot of that word is inside of me. And after 30-some years, a lot of that word is inside of me. But you know what I know? Today, today, uh, I'm dedicated to, to Proverbs chapter 12. It's, I'm going through Proverbs right now and as a particular thing, and I'm going to let God speak to me in Proverbs chapter 12 today. Well, it'll give you direction. It'll give you comfort. Fourthly, it'll teach you and make you wise. Now, that's just the book of Proverbs. Just read the first chapter sometime this week. Take a look at the first chapter and see what it begins to say. Now, I know there's a lot of Scripture, but I just say this. Any Scripture you're studying and reading is great. Now, you might want to take a certain book of the Bible for a month, along with reading other parts of it here and there, and just getting into it, and sometimes just pouring into it. Listen, what's, what, will you, what, more, what will you get more benefit from? Three hours of television where your eyes are looking and your ears are listening, or if you were to dig in to the Word of God for three hours in the presence of the living God, of your Savior who loves you, and as you interact, as you're reading, as you talk to Him and as He is talking back into you, find out there's a greater, sweeter interaction than any computer in the world could give you. Because it's not a computer. It's God. It's Jesus. Alive from the dead, living in you, being with you, illuminating the Word of God to you, wanting to simply uh, pour out to you so much. He wants to teach you. He wants to feed you and build you. Well, let's go on to the let's go on to the fifth thing here that I got, I believe. And this is that it makes you strong. First John chapter 2. We've already mentioned that. Let's go to the sixth thing. It brings you blessing. First, our James chapter 1. That the person that puts the Word of God into practice is the one who's going to be blessed in what they do. And then the next, the last thing I have here, it will help you overcome the fallen world system, the flesh, the sin nature, the old sin nature, and the devil himself. And so it's very important, I mentioned already in the book of 1 John, that um, all of those principles would be taught there. Let me just quote again, Acts 20, 32. How you doing? You doing all right? Is God strengthening you, blessing you? You know of a lost person this week you can reach out to? You know, uh, are you strong in a local church yet and praying for the pastor and being a part? Have you gotten baptized? Which I encourage you to do so that you can follow the Lord in baptism, which is a public way of declaring to the world 
that you believe in Jesus, that you've died to an old life and you're now living to a new life. It echoes the salvation you have received. Now, here's that scripture in Acts 20.32. Listen to it very carefully. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. All the sanctified. What does that mean? Well, it means literally being set apart, uh, in the biblical sense, being set apart uh, for a holy purpose. You and I, listen, we're sacred now, man. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is an awesome thing, my dear friend. And I pray that God just lets you know, may the Spirit of God well up in you now, as He's illuminating Scripture, as He's bringing things to you, some of you may be young enough thinking this is going too fast. Some of you may be old enough in the Lord thinking, wow, this is really great uh, and uh, speeding on by all of this. But I just encourage and trust the, 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 the Lord to use this. And I would encourage you, if you want to, to go to shatterthedarkness.net, find our contact information, and uh, send me a note. If you've gotten saved, send me a note about that salvation. If you're growing in the Lord, send me a note about that. I'd love to encourage you. If you've got a question, you can send that also. But I just want to focus you on one person more than anything else. That's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you look on your notes, you're going to see in the large blueprint, the Word and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Foretold the coming of Jesus. The Old Testament. Matter of fact, there may be up to 300 prophecies and scriptures that speak about the, the, the coming of God in human flesh, the coming of Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus as Savior of the world. Isaiah would say that he'd, be, that he'd be born of a virgin, that he'd be God in human flesh. Jeremiah would tell us that he'd be born in Bethlehem. In the Psalms, chapter 16, you'll read about how the, his body would not see decay. That's 1,000 years before he came. The Old Testament is packed with revelation of the coming of Jesus Christ and what He would do at the cross. And even some of the Old Testament gives reference to the second coming, like in the book of Daniel. It not only refers to Jesus and His first coming, but it also gives tremendous revelation to the end of days and the second coming of Jesus Christ and, uh, and uh, great revelation that God is considered the Ancient of Days. He is the Ancient of Days. He is uh, the, in, in, in human terms, in historical terms, He is the furthest one back, the oldest one that has existed. There is none uh, beyond Him. If you back up all of history and back up everything in history, all the way back, you're going to finally run into God and do God alone, infinite, uncreated, um, immeasurable, uh, living, personal God. And uh, the word of the Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, we find that it reveals His birth, His life, His work, the death, the resurrection. That's the Gospels. Four Gospels to really unveil Jesus, looking at Him from different perspectives. The, the Gospel of Matthew is kind of uh, written to really convince those who are Jews and so it constantly is making reference to Scripture being fulfilled. It, ha it was written by Isaiah the prophet, and now it's been fulfilled. You're going to find that a lot. 
Now, Jesus in the rest of the New Testament, you're going to find again and again and again. Jesus um, is written about, taught about, defended, proclaimed, uh, expounded upon in the New Testament. You're going to find that the New Testament ties in with the Old Testament. That it becomes one incredible uh, blended book. One author, as I've said already. Whether Old Testament, middle of the book, or the very end of the book, it all points in the same direction, to Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John 5, 38, You diligently study scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Now listen, the backdrop of this is he's talking to the Jews who had exchanged real Old Testament biblical revelation for their own traditions. And they were just simply using the Bible in their own way instead of letting the Bible be used in God's way. And so Jesus speaking to them and telling them, it's not just because you study them and read them or memorize them, it's because you know the author, you know the Savior, you know the intent, you know, listen, this is what Jesus said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. You see, you don't get eternal life just because you've read the scriptures. You get eternal life because the scriptures have pointed to the life giver, Christ Jesus went on to say in John 5.39, These are the scriptures that testify about me. And he was making reference to the sum total of the Old Testament. To the Old Testament. If you're Jewish, you need to understand that. You need to understand that Jesus Christ not only acknowledges that he is the Messiah, that he is the promised one from Isaiah, that he is the fulfillment of all of that, but that he tells very clearly that all of the Old Testament ultimately is testifying to and witnessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome things. Listen, I put some resources there on the uh, right-hand side of the uh, web page if you're looking over the notes. Uh, I've mentioned some other things that will help you along the way. Uh, some things like this. How do you get the most out of the Word of God? Listen, you got to read it in the presence of God. Always acknowledge His presence as you're reading it. He's always there. And so talk back and forth and interact with the Lord. You must let it speak to you. Sometimes just open it and begin to read and allow God to speak to you. Uh, don't avoid anything. Get into everything. You must study it deeply. I say deeply. reminds me of a great Mennonite theologian. One of the schools I went to, Dr. Archie Penner, used to talk about studying and studying deeply, as he would say. Well, that's what I would say about the Word of God. Read it and read it deeply. Study it. Get into it. Get all the other distractions away. Read it verse by verse and also book by book. Meditate on it. Let me just think through it in the presence of God. But also memorize it. How to get it into your life? Simply here are four things. Believe it. Obey it. Put it into practice. Use it in ministry. If you do those four things, you're going to find that you're going to become fluid with Scripture, powerful with Scripture, that your life will be built, foundations are going to be there. It's going to be absolutely incredible in your life. Believe it, obey it, put it into practice, use it in ministry, quoting it. You're going to find God a blessing you. You're going to find the Lord's presence in every verse. You're going to find God's direction, purpose, and building, and encouragement, and word of faith, and all those things in this precious, incredible book of God. My dear Christian friend, brother or sister in the Lord, I just pray that God will bless you. 
and that you'll have a great love that you'll dig in, that in one week you might be able to grow more, be strengthened more, be built up more, come to know more than you've ever known in your Christian life. Why not dedicate an entire week to say, you know what, this is the week of the Word of God. I'm going to fast all of television. I'm going to get rid of all of television and all the distractions, and I'm going to get before the presence of God, and I'm going to study the Word of God, and I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to go over the homework in Psalm 119. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read in Proverbs to get wisdom. I'm going to look at the Gospels to see Jesus uh, painted for me. I'm going to let God use it. I'm going to let God uh, build it in me. I'm going to write down specific scriptures He wants me to memorize. Oh, dear sweet Christian, may God bless you in that. Hey, this is Russ Dizdar from the organization Shatter the Darkness, www.shatterthedarkness.net on the web. If this has been a great blessing to you, share the Dynamic Discipleship Series with others. Pass it along and help get the Word of God and the building up of a life uh, to others. God bless you.